Monday afternoon, MMA Twitter personality Ben the Bane Davis asked, is Josh Emmett being overlooked? And immediately, I knew what I wanted to talk about on today's show. It's Monday, June 19th. I'm E. Spencer Kite, and this is the Keyboard Kimura Podcast, presented by One Bone. Before anyone gets any kind of ideas, let me be clear about a couple of things. First, Ben knows I'm mentioning him and using that tweet as the genesis for today's show. And second, this isn't really about his question, which was certainly a valid question. What it is about, however, is guys like Josh Emmett, who returns on Saturday to face Ilya Tapuria in the main event of UFC on ABC five from the Vistar veterans Memorial arena in Jacksonville, Florida, which sounds like where they used to hold NWA wrestling events way back in the day. This is how I responded to Ben's question. I said, yes, absolutely. But that doesn't have to mean that he's going to win. Dude is criminally underrated. Look at his resume. He's 18 and three and could smack Tapuria up. Don't know that he will, but folks need to recognize his overall success, in my opinion. We went back and forth for another round of responses and sort of touch touch points talking about the Calvin Cater fight and his overall resume and things like that. And that's when I told him I was going to podcast about this today. Emmett is, as I said in that tweet, criminally underrated, in my opinion, because there's nothing flashy about him. And he's not a particularly big name. Honestly, I get the sense that people see him as kind of a dorky, try-hard type. Which might be why I appreciate what he's done so much. Because I, too, am a a dorky try-hard. He feels like one of those guys that people are constantly trying to pull back. Like there's this persistent effort to explain away some of his wins and minimize his success and knock him back a few pegs in the divisional hierarchy because he's not somebody that people necessarily want to see in the championship mix at featherweight. But on merit, Emmett's a top five fighter. He is, as previously mentioned, 18 and three overall with his losses coming against Desmond Green at lightweight by split decision, Jeremy Stevens by hellacious knockout and Yair Rodriguez by triangle choke back in February at UFC 284 in Perth, Australia for the interim in a fight for the interim featherweight title. He's beaten John Tuck, Felipe Aranches, Scott Holtzman, Ricardo Lamas, Michael Johnson, Mursad Bektik, Shane Burgos, Danny Ye, and Calvin Cater during his UFC career, giving him a nine and three record inside the octagon. Now, I think he lost to Cater. Many others do as well. But it was a close fight where scoring the first three rounds for Emmett is acceptable. And even if you want to flip that one, which isn't how it works, but let's just say, let's just say that turned out to be a loss. Chris Lee didn't score the fourth round for for Josh Emmett, same as he didn't score the fourth round for Amir Albazi a few weeks ago. Emmett gets a loss. He's still eight and four with his losses coming against top 10 guys in big spots, main event spots, championship fights. The fact that he's lost in his biggest moments might give you cause for pause. But getting there is something that not everyone does. And it merits acknowledgement. And that's 
what I want to talk about more broadly here because Emmett isn't the only guy that, that gets this sort of treatment from fans and media. Over the years, I have written versions of this podcast talking about the fighters in certain divisions that just don't quite get their due. It's been named the Darren Elkins All-Stars at one point. It was named the Rafael Asuncao All-Stars at another point because they were fighters that were always in the mix, that were constantly in the top 10 or top 15 facing good opponents and yeah, they never quite got there, but goddamn, were they t- were they tough? Were they durable? Were they consistent? Were they reliable? And I think every division has one of those guys. Somebody that doesn't get the recognition they deserve because they're older or they failed to reach the summit or they never challenged for championship gold in the first place. I think about guys like Rob Font, about Emmett, about Rafael Dos Anjos, a former champion, but still someone I think that doesn't get the credit he deserves. I think Bilal Muhammad, despite being the number one contender at welterweight, is still vastly underappreciated for what he's done. Same with Sean Strickland at middleweight. Curtis Blades at heavyweight. Lost in some big spots, but the guys he's lost to are no are no slouches. On the women's side of things, Carla Sparza, like RDA, a former champion that doesn't get her due because she's surrounded by more vibrant stars, more popular stars like Rose Namajunas and Zhang Weili and Joanna Yanjechik before each of them. It's also fighters like Caitlin Chukagian and Raquel Pennington that have fought for the title before in their respective weight classes, lost lopsided fights to world-class champions, to all-time great champions in Valentina Shevchenko and Amanda Nunes respectively. We get bogged down in what people haven't done and forget about them in term, in favor of flashier names and hyped prospects, but we, we fail to understand or maybe acknowledge how difficult it is to be 18 and three overall like Emmett and nine and three in the UFC. Like we take those things for granted and we just sort of breezed past them like winning 18 of 21 fights is something everyone goes out here and does. And winning 75% of your fights in the UFC is something everyone goes out here and does. If it were that easy, more people would do it. I think Dos Anjos is a really great example here because the 38-year-old former lightweight champion has probably fought the toughest overall strength of schedule in UFC history. And it feels like a lot of folks are kind of just meh on him. Like if we ran down the best fighters of his generation, I don't know how quickly we get to him. And that's kind of unfortunate because he's one of the best fighters of his generation. RDA is 21 and 12 in the UFC. He has fought in order from his debut. Jeremy Stevens, Tyson Griffin. Rob Emerson, Kyle Bradley, Terry Adam, Clay Guida, George Sauteropoulos, Gleason Tebow, Kamal Shalarus, Anthony Njokuani, Mark Bocek, Evan Dunham, Donald Cerrone, Habib Nurmagomedov, Jason High, Benson Henderson, Nathan Diaz, Anthony Pettis, Donald Cerrone again, 
Eddie Alvarez, Tony Ferguson, Tarek Safadine, Neil Magny, Robbie Lawler, Colby Covington, Kamaro Usman, Kevin Lee, Leon Edwards, Michael Chiesa, Paul Felder, Hanato Moicano, Raphael Fazeev, and Brian Barberino. That is nine fighters that have hold, held excuse me, championship gold in one form or another. Four more fights with guys that challenged for UFC gold at one point or another. And top 10 wins across two of the better divisions in the UFC. The guy is an absolute beast. But as I said, when we think about his generation and the best of his time, I would bet you that he's he's not somebody that comes up in the first 10 to 15 names that we pull at because there were flashier fighters, because there were more popular fighters, because there were folks that were in bigger fights. He, like Emmett, is now in that sort of, I get it, but I'm not excited about it territory, if that makes sense where they're viewed as stepping stones and litmus tests. And because they're put in that position, often we seem to fail to recognize the overall success they've had. It's interesting because I've I've talked to both Dos Anjos and Emmett about it in the past. RDA, several years ago when he was, you know, transitioning from being a contender at welterweight to figuring out what he was going to do next steps. And to Emmett last week, And he talked about it himself. He point blank came out and said, look, the UFC is looking to build Ilya Tapuria here. I'm the veteran test. I'm the guy that's fighting backwards. I'm the guy that just fought for the interim title and lost. This is a potential launch pad fight for the undefeated Georgian. They look at this as he comes out, beats me, and we've got a new star made. Now, he doesn't want to let that happen. But he's absolutely right on everything else. And I totally agree. But that also doesn't mean that we shouldn't give Emmett his due heading into this one. Like this isn't Armin Saryukin facing Joachim Silva last week. Which ended with Saryukin getting a finish. But only after he got clipped real bad. And got a real scare in the second round. Emmett's a serious test for Tapuria, who has looked outstanding, but as Emmett said when we spoke for a feature that is up now on the UFC website, this is Tapuria's first UFC main event. It's his first five-round fight in the UFC, and it is his toughest assignment to date. He's absolutely looked terrific, no doubt about it. But dismissing Emmett and viewing this as a layup for the 26-year-old rising star is a mistake. But saying that doesn't mean he won't win or do so in dominant fashion. He very well could because Tapuria is freakishly talented, incredibly well-rounded. But multiple things can be true at the same time, and it it feels like we forget that a lot when we talk about these athletes and matchups. We think about them and talk about them as either-ors when they can be both. Like, it's okay not to be a big Josh Emmett backer, but also give him his due just as it's perfectly acceptable to believe that Tapuria rolls him while acknowledging that the veteran could very well win this fight. And like, generally speaking, I think we need to do a much better job of lifting up athletes that have built quality records 
and impressive resumes in the octagon rather than finding ways to dismiss them or drag them down. Because it's difficult to have a long, mostly successful career at this level. And popularity and personal preferences shouldn't prevent us from tipping our cap to the men and women that spend prolonged stretches in the top 10 or top 15, constantly battling elite competition, even if they never quite reached the summit. This is why Daniel Cormier's case against Jim Miller being in the UFC Hall of Fame never made sense to me. I get DC's argument. Miller never fought for UFC gold, never stood as one of the two or three best fighters in the lightweight division. But once upon a time, about a dozen years ago, Jim Miller went into a fight with Benson Henderson in Milwaukee that was basically a semifinal bout on one side of the bracket of a, of a little four-person lightweight tournament. Clay Guida had faced and beaten Anthony Pettis on the other side of the bracket in June. Uh, Anthony Pettis' debut didn't get his immediate title shot because Frankie Edgar and Gray Maynard battled to a draw at UFC 125 on New Year's Day. Needed to resolve things. That didn't happen until October. Pettis didn't want to wait. Took the fight with Clay Guida. Clay Guida goes out and beats him. Miller then faces Henderson in Milwaukee. Goes out, loses to Henderson. who And, and Miller fought while he, having mononucleosis, which we'll get to a little bit more of this. But Henderson wins. Goes on to beat Guida to earn a title shot. Then beats Frankie Edgar. Twice, in fact to win and successfully defend the lightweight title and then adds two more wins to his reign before losing the title back to Pettis in Milwaukee, ironically enough. That was the closest Miller ever got to challenging for gold. Partially, A, he fought that fight with Mono and if you've ever have had Mono, the idea of doing anything makes you tired, yet alone training for a fight and then going in there against a conditioning and cardio machine like Ben Henderson. It's also the closest he got because he spent the next couple of years dealing with complications from Lyme disease, which went untreated and had him pondering retirement until he finally figured it out. But it's also because he's Jim fucking Miller, as former UFC matchmaker Joe Silva called him, because as the story goes, Miller said yes to everyone promptly whenever Joe Silva reached out with a name because he's Jim fucking Miller and that's what he does. He just competes. He's made the walk more times than anyone in UFC history and he's earned more victories than anyone in UFC history. And while you can say those are longevity records, my counter is always going to be, do you know how fucking hard it is to last 15 years on the UFC roster to make the walk 42 times? and earn 25 wins? If it were easy, more people would do it. But right now, Miller's the only guy to get to 25 wins. Andre Arlovsky's close. He needs two more victories. Charles Oliveira has a very real chance of getting there as well. He's at 22, following his win over Benil Darius out here in Vancouver a couple weeks ago. But it's really goddamn difficult to do. And yet, Cormier and others want to keep him out of the Hall of Fame because the timing of things never worked out in his favor. Like he never landed opposite a champion and got his ass kicked. Like I get Donald Cerrone was a super popular fight all the time. Can always put him on the card. People show up and love 
the cowboy drop and all things cowboy. But like Jim Miller and cowboy fought a couple times and it was pretty competitive every time and good fights. And yeah, cowboy fought for the title a couple of times, but he got his ass handed to him. And if that's the differentiating point, then I don't know. If you want to knock Miller for taking a step back in competition in the last three or four years, fine. But I would argue continuing to win at this level at his age, when just about every one of his contemporaries has packed it in, remains an admirable accomplishment. Like longevity should be celebrated. We have to focus more on, we have to focus, excuse me, on more than just titles and popularity and social media clout. Like winning consistently in the UFC is difficult and doing it for extended periods of time against the best the division has to offer is even tougher. Miller did it for a long time before taking a step back in order to continue his career. Dos Anjos continues doing it now in his late thirties. And so too does Emmett. Ben's question that I started off with about whether Emmett is being overlooked honestly doesn't just pertain to this weekend, even though that's what he was asking about. I think it applies to his entire career and it's a shame because he's been one of the best fighters in the featherweight division for the last five years. And that's something we should applaud, not try to poke holes in. For Keyboard Kimura, I'm E. Spencer Kite. I'll talk to you later in the week.